Do not let the pains of your dreams and legacy steer you away from the task at hand. There has been no greatness won on the back of comfort. Bending, honing, creaking, and cracking under the iron is the column of greatness. It is the foundation of the warrior spirit. When you step under the bar to the stone on the platform and on the shadowy competitive battlefield, embrace the knowledge that you have fought for harder days. That under the burning sun that is our lifespan, you have faced the greatest demon of all, pain. For pain is the father of fear. And when you sit down with him long enough to smile at his whispers, your story will live forever. Life without pain is a life worth living. Life with pain is a life worth enduring. Know who you are, choose your way, and never look back. Boom. <sighs> MDLP. <laughs> I wrote that <clears throat> last year. Pretty sure I might have started a show with it, and we just talked about it like two seconds ago. You're right, John. Sometimes things said have entirely different meanings when they're said in life, and I know that when I wrote that then, it still has the foundation of what I feel now, but even greater, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so it was fucking just going to start that. Episode 31? 31. Jeez, man. I didn't even write that down. Without a pen and paper, I nailed that. Yeah. Um, thank you guys very much again. Um, with my handsome Baron of the North co-host, Johnny Banks. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm feeling good. Uh, came this whole weekend um, with a purpose again. I think our last episode, Warrior, the, oh, yeah, Warrior Spirit, right? The Warrior Code. The Warrior Code, Jesus, Michael. Um, man, I left fired up from that. I still think it's one of our greatest podcasts. And in this one, I wanted to kind of let you guys know, we've actually done a lot of cool shit in the last five, six weeks. Yeah. Um, and there's a deeper meaning to everything. And I came kind of with that energy and that um, underlying passion that we have so much on this show. So we're going to get after it. Uh, obviously, killing a hangover with more whiskey is where we do. Yeah. Um, so cheers again, Jameson. If you ever want to sponsor us, thank you so much. You should. Yeah. IPA edition, delicious. Yeah. I mean, it's a four out of five axes for a Jameson <laughs> whiskey. It's pretty good. It's a, and I don't know if you guys know, but chasing a hangover with more alcohol is actual science. <laughs> Fact. Um, it's, it's like a NASA study. I'm pretty absolutely. Sure. And obviously a real shout out to our real people and our real sponsors. Again, Cerberus USA. Thank you so much for all your strength equipment. Always use discount code battle to save yourself some cash. BV305, Bearded Villains Miami, you guys and your chapter, um, extended family and direct family. Always supporting us. Always listening to us around the world. To the Battle Axe Gym, you guys and our listeners, you guys are the core and foundation to all this. And Med CBD, thank you so much for all of those uh, products. Again, Battle Axe Gym gets you a discount on that. So, fuck yeah, kind of cool list has been growing, man. It went <laughs> yeah. from asking for sponsorships to thanking people for the sponsorships. Pretty cool. We, Mama, we made it. Yes. All the discounts, damn it. <laughs> so, man, it's you're right. These past few weeks have been crazy, man. Whoa. Yeah, fucking started with knee surgery, Miami's baddest, all these things we're touching on. And yeah. it's kind of why I wanted to start um, the podcast with the confirmation and the reaffirmation of the importance of pain. And I know that we're going to get further into that deeper as we talk about it, but mm. not to shy away from it as much as your body wants to, as much as your mind wants to. Um, it's hard. It's hard. And there's a, a bigger picture in the process of perseverance and pain and courage and these things like that. I'm not asking anyone here to fucking hurt themselves. Please. 
Because you'll see some motherfucker like, man, I wish I was hurt. I'm like, shut up. I listened to your podcast. I cut myself last <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, I jumped off some stairs, man. I feel your pain. I'm like, why? <laughs> I wish I didn't have pain, you asshole. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where I think I'm really feeling it. Um, and, you know, we, we actually took a little longer to get here because this is the week has been really, the, the schedule has been tumultuous to get yeah. actually scheduled here. But honestly, I wasn't feeling it until recently. Mm. I'm almost ex- glad we couldn't do it a couple of weeks ago. It it, it was going to feel more like a chore yeah. than an expression. And maybe not so much you, but I know you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> when you come in here, it's like, I don't want to be carried. I want this show to just be on fire. And I yeah. feel a lot better about it this week. Yeah, I mean, I got a whole baby now. So <laughs> straight up fucking dad, bro. Yeah. Daddy for real. Dude. Yeah. And... I get to say all the dad jokes I want. And she's going to have to deal with it, even though she has a permanent grump face, which is hilarious. Dude. That's your daughter. Bro. <laughs> like, yeah, like. <laughs> she looks at all your jokes like that, so you feel like a piece of crap. You're like, not I'm, funny. I'm like, I know you know. Like, you have no idea what this face means yet, yeah. but fuck you, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pick her up and she's like who the fuck, fuck what is this yeah, you, you know what i'm gonna yeah. get some sweet tits and then you'll give you <laughs> yeah. change your mind then you'll love me i'm gonna eat this fucking sandwich and catch up <laughs> so man yeah so um outside of that you know we had miami's baddest go down and there's just i mean after everything with i tend to forget that like covid happened Right? It's nuts, man. A whole pandemic right before our eyes. And yeah. then. Right. And it's, it's so, so you guys know last year, well, some of you know, and those who don't, we had to cancel Miami's baddest for that. Yeah. Um, and then throwing it on this year was just like, it was just so sweet. Obviously, even in Miami, we still have to be kind of careful. Sure. But it was just so exciting to have that feeling again of pushing forward and keeping the show alive and yeah. keeping the show going. You know, the show must go on concept and finally not being forced to cancel it because I tried everything in my power. But Miami remember. was, you remember, I was like, we're having it no matter what. And then like fucking a day later, fuck. <laughs> I got to tell everybody it's canceled, man. There's like a progression of podcasts like, it's happening. We don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. And then the next one was like, well, we're going to see what we can do. The next one was like, yeah, about that. Hey, uh, anyways, the weather's really fucking nice. We should do like sound clips of us showing a like complete fail. Like, we're doing it. We're brave. Fuck you, America. Next one. I don't know. Maybe so much. The last one's like, hey, man. So anyways, what do you feel about like the whole economy right now? <laughs> Stupid ass me. So uh, first and foremost, um, you know, I obviously Lola was born the night before. Young Lola Michael. Young yes. Lola Michael. Um, Future Jedi. So for sure. Uh, so what was it like? Uh, first and foremost, it seemed like a very good amount of your original 2019 competitors, right? It was 19. Mm-hmm. What year are we in? We're in 2021. Fuck. Yeah. You mean 2020. Yeah. It seemed like a good portion of your 2020 athletes carried over. Yeah, so believe it or not, in 2020, we had like 75 signups in like three weeks. It was insane. Yeah. And then this whole shit started, so people, you know, obviously stopped signing up, and right. we had to kind of prolong it. Out of those 70-something, 40 dropped out. And oh. those 40 were, you know, people who were going to try Strongman last year or... You know, they were going to get involved. Maybe it was their first comp. So I lost a lot of novice, a lot of experienced guys, and a lot of powerlifters that were kind of just going to try it yeah, and then go back to it. But with the whole year being lost and now people are back to their rhythm, you those people went back to their specific sports. Yeah. So we did keep around hmm, like 30-something of the originals. These are, you know, 
a hardcore gonna do it like no matter what you know yeah. your Esteban's your Austin's um Junkyard was there even though that was a kind of a newer sign up but the, the core group and then we had an extra like another 30 sign up yeah. so we had 60 I'd even I didn't even want to promote it right because I just wanted a small number I wanted to get in and out as fast as possible only to respect CrossFit Kendall I was just really anxious that we were going to get in trouble and by we I mean them because it's their property right if it was my gym I wouldn't give a fuck because the mandates would be on me yeah, sure. But that particular, a lot of what a lot of people don't know, and it's something to give credit to anyone who gave a put on a contest last year and this year, anyone who's doing it, it's hard. People are driving around just fucking telling on each other and asking for permits and citations, and you don't know which citation it is, and on the liens on the property. So yeah. that's what I was most anxious about. Without even promoting it much, except for maybe like the last week or two. Yeah, sure. We had sixty something. The day we had fifty three, I think, which is great. We were many great. We had everyone there. Um, you know, we had a whole concept. And, okay, I have to say this. Okay, mm, I have to fucking do. say it. Because I woke up and I chose fucking SAS and MASS today. Two things. Number one, if you're going to belt clean on the actual belt clean and press, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> if it's in the rules, do whatever it takes to win, bro. Like, somebody was asking me, like, oh, what do you? I go, I don't like it. That was a big deal. Yeah, it was the people were going crazy with the clash on the coast and people don't like, yeah, but those are his rules. So it, honestly, if a show said I can clean it off my belt, I'm going to fucking clean it off my belt because it's easier. Right. That's it. But if the promoter says, hey, you can't do that, don't bitch about it. Yeah, It's sure. like, don't complain. It's okay. It's in that contest and within those rules, that's the standard. Just like when they say straps and no straps. Are you going to throw a big fit because everyone is using straps? I'm like, dog, then learn how to use them or don't use them at all. Your choice. So people had asked me a lot, and there was a bunch of fucking shit on it. I go, in my shows, I don't like the belt clean mm -hmm. because it, it is easier. You're using it as a, as a sense of leverage. You're making it a little easier. Yeah. That's my preference. If I go to one of your shows and you say I can do it, I'm going to fucking use that belt. I mean, it's what an athlete should do. You do everything within the rules and a little bit of cheating. You have to. Or get caught and get punched. Um, <laughs> and then do it. So that's number one. Number two. And this is something that I think is very important, man. And this is just me. And if you're listening, fuck it. You have to start really helping people who are doing proper, standardized, sanctioned shows. And this is what's happening a lot. It's been happening in the last couple of years, especially these. I know understand that people are trying to put on shows. But there's a lot of bullshit shows, too, where people are not putting in time, effort, energy and money and compassion to run a very good fucking show because it's hard it's not a, it's not a money maker right. they're charging people 180 90 bucks for trash shows so then people go and do this fucking stupid light show stupid light and they come out with the whole i'm a strong man now i'm a badass i'm like no you're not motherfucker right like you want to be real start going to the shows that are good people who have been in the sport for a while like lou allen myself these people that are putting on big shows you know and newcomers man Try their show, respect them because they're fucking heavy. People that really know the weight of the sport. Right. And they know it and they put on good fucking shows, support that. Instead, you'll have like a Mickey Mouse shit in the backyard. No offense to nobody. It's just fucking reality, dog. And you're having them back to back to back. So people are spread all over. When I put on my first show, let me tell you something, the truth about how Miami started. At the time, Alan and me were the only ones doing shows in Miami for Strongman Corporation. There was nobody else. Nobody was stepping up to the game. I asked Alan for help because all this Alan's is the chairman. He's a buddy of mine. Mm -hmm. I asked Scott. I, I spread. I asked people, hey, when is this show? What time is a good time of year? Whatever. This was back in 2016, 2015 when we did our first show. Yeah. Because I wanted to respect everyone else in doing it. 
It doesn't take more than just sending a message. Hey, I was even doing it away from powerlifting meets so we can really respect the time. Yeah. That's called putting in the work. That's called respecting the sport. So as a show promoter, because I'm an athlete, coach, competitor, qualified, but I'm also a show promoter. I put on standards. I've made great shows because I love the fucking sport. Because obviously between you and me and everyone else who's listening, I've said it a million times. It's not fucking lucrative, dog. Yeah. It's not. It's it's crazy amount of stress and complaining and and work and eight hours of basically dying inside. <laughs> and poor, man, shout out to my people, Battle Ice Clan. They have uh, what a fucking solid group of people for the yeah. anxiety they put up with me. But you put in time. Yeah. You know, and, and you have loaders and spotters and people are volunteering because they want the, everything for the athlete. We had a live feed. We had promoters. We had charity. We had everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's a big deal. It's not just taking your fucking money and then giving you a shitty show, bro. Yeah, sure. And then you come out of people come out of there. Oh, I'm a strong man. I'm like, oh, <laughs> stop. Stop it. You know, it's funny. I, like, obviously, I'm not I don't have that much skin in the strong man game, but I do love the sport. So I do whatever was in within my power to support it. But one thing I'll say about the belt clean is. You're also talking about a show with. Like none of the, all of those guys strict like three something. <laughs> so like, yeah, they're gonna use the belt so they can hit four hundred and seventeen fucking pounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. dude, you can use a. Sh- you want to put a desk out there and clean it up? Fine. You know what I mean? Like people are going nuts on that. Nobody's like, gonna belt clean in that group. Like, be like, oh, I I hit a PR today at two ninety five. Word. <laughs> and look at the females, bro. Two seventy one. Two. Shut the fuck up. Rushed. Man, Nadia and Peacock, man, out there fucking crushing it. Shout out to Nadia as a Cerberus teammate of mine. Yeah. And Peacock, who's a, a been in the game for a long time, is a nice, very nice person. Both of them are. All three of them. I don't, I don't know the third girl's name, but she's also, I think, a Cerberus girl. She's incredible. Yeah. 270 plus pounds, dog. Just. And and what are you going to say? Oh, bro, because you used the belt? I'm like, fine. You try it and use <laughs> <Yeah>. the belt. <laughs> yeah. You try us. to clean that axle right now. Show, show, show me us. how to do it. Exactly. Um, and there's a, yeah, there's a time, you know. If the show had said no belt cleans and she used it as a clean, then I'd say bullshit. Right. But it's in the rules. So, you know, no, no, no other fucking complaints about it. Everything is about, and I mean, life is about manipulating the rules. Everything we do. Write that down. (laughs) If you're not trying to manipulate the rules, you don't want to win. Like you don't want to win at stuff. All right, guys, have a good day. Yeah, we're done. We're That's shutting it. down. Let's <laughs> finish this bottle. And, and it's always like, a, I've always said that in play. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying, right? Yeah. Because it's not cheating till you get caught. It's bending the rules. But a lot of the rules that have been made now and the, is because originally there were people beginning creative. Yeah. Look at the first log presses. They were off people's heads. Go look at the 1970s and 80s log press. Yeah. Look at uh, Kassmeyer pressing it off his fucking head. Now we understand that we have a rule that you can't do that. Right. But if I put on a show and I said, well, I don't care how you get it up there, just get it up there. People are going to throw fucking stones at me. I go, but you have to give it to Kazmaier. He saw that there was no rule against it. I think it was Kazmaier or, um, or Jan Paul Sigmerson, maybe Sigmerson. He rested it on his head for a second and then fucking pressed it. Hey, man, kudos to you, dog. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what I always tell my guys. I go, if you don't make sure that when you're doing something and it's not specified in the rules... If you don't ask, that's probably a good thing. Because yeah. there's always that one asshole. It's like, hey, can we use this on that? They're like, no. And I was like, oh, fucking guy. <laughs> Why did you say anything? You know, typically, or, or during the rules meeting, like myself, we'll say everything that has, you can't do this, you can't do that. I also did a bunch of posts saying the rules. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. Uh, here's an example, guys. If you're listening, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, ask questions. Send a DM to the promoter. I, dude, I'm I'm super annoying. I'm like, what block? How far? What kind of rope? What kind of axle? What kind of circus dumbbell? What's the distance? Back or forth? Turn around? Around the cone? Up? As a coach, I need to know all the fucking details. Or yeah. I tell my athlete, harass them and ask. That's part of being, trust me, I know I get asked all the fucking questions. That's part of the sport. Yeah. So get with it. <laughs> there, yeah. That's a whole fucking, like a whole novel about what should be done as an athlete, man. Yeah, sure. So let's talk about it. You uh, This year, let's talk about you sitting in front of these athletes after you know over a year waiting to do this show. What were you feeling there? So that's a good question. April is always a very, um, we have months in our lives, yep. time spans. It was very, very difficult for me. And it's something I wrote about a while ago. In 2017, the day right after I had Miami's baddest, I lost my best friend and, and brother, like I always said, to suicide and t- t- a terrible incident too. Um, in that moment, I thought that I would never host it at that time again. Because I was just, every time they would come up, I thought constantly in 2018 of changing the date. Well, at the end of the month, maybe in March, just because that, it's just a rough month, you know? It's a rough mm-hmm. day. It's a rough week. It's a rough time for me. It comes in waves. And I was like, this is too much emotion because I'm also very passionate about the show. I'm seeing my guys train. I'm seeing something that has been cultivated from nothing. So it's very emotional. You know me, I'm very, very passionate. So everything's a big fucking deal. Like, let me beat you in anything and you'll know <laughs> or lose, um, even worse. But I felt that. And I never changed the date because... The point of dealing with hardships is to not quit. That's how you honor anything and everyone you love is not quitting. Even if you and this person don't work out, Mm. it's you have to honor that respect and that time that you had with that person, whether they're no longer in your life because of hardships or disagreements or because they've gone away. By you continuing to try and better yourself is showing that person a bit of respect for the part that they had in your life to better you. Because if you're close with somebody and you lose them and it hurts you, they probably bettered you. They did everything to do to get things better in your heart. So when that ends, it's your responsibility to put yourself in a responsible situation to keep fighting forward by example. There's only so many Instagram fucking posts you can do. Mm -hmm. So I never change the date after. It's always the first weekend of April. There's no fucking negotiation. I will never change the date of this. I don't care if there's nine shows around my show, even if I get two people. So... On that weekend alone, I'm already kind of like charged up. But seeing that and seeing that after a year of coming down of no competing, of people dealing with their own hardships, loss, uh, jobs, fucking money, family, like not everyone made 2020, not everyone made it out, quote unquote, alive, you know, struggling, nervous, whatever. And seeing all these people there ready to compete, eager with the respect of like, hey, we're here at Miami's Baddest. Like, this is a, we're here because out of love of sport and we respect it. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we didn't have 100, even though we could have. But the 50-something people that showed up really gave a shit. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe a couple novice with their heads cut off or running around doing shit. But they really respected it. Yeah. And it was for me to stand there as a, as a promoter, as a coach, and as an athlete and looking from outside, it's always very emotional. It's always very something like you're looking at your your work in motion. It's like if you painted something and it came alive. It's like you crafted something with your hands and sweat. Yeah. And then not only that, but imagine if you painted something and your friends chipped in too. And it was still beautiful. 
you know, it's stay out of trees, you know, like the fucking guy with the fro. Oh, yeah. Uh, fucking. Why does his name always just disappear? Fucking man. I'm so disappointed in myself. Bob Ross. Bob Ross. Thank yes. you. And they're adding these things into your life. So not only did you start it, but they help you finish it. And now this thing's alive. You see it, a living, breathing machine. It's something we'll talk about soon, too. Yeah. And it's an unbelievable amount of pride. Like, just, you know, and I'm hard on myself, and I know a lot of us are, too. It's really hard to feel proud of yourself. It's really easy for me to tell you. I'm proud of you, John. <laughs> yeah. But when I look in the mirror, I'm like, fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, sometimes I do that. Yeah. But I actually sometimes now I've been learning ever so slowly and how to do it over time with the right poise and etiquette as a fucking man to say, damn, Michael, I'm fucking proud of you. Like, you should be proud of yourself. Now, when you tell it to me, I'm like, oh, thank you, you know, you know, and I get weird about it, you know, mm-hmm. but I take it well. Yeah. But to myself, it takes a lot of courage to allow myself to give that compliment because I'm like, man, like, you're right. Like, I am fucking proud of this. I'm super proud of this. Yeah. And I take, I breathe it in, bro. You can see me that day even limping around as an announcer, having like horrible fucking little spasms in my knee, but just taking it all in. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to associate with people on that day because you're on such a fucking high and you're so all over the place. But I take time all day, especially with just being in that moment and breathing it in. And then when we go drink at the at the battle axe after, it's just like, yeah, <sighs> look, what, look what we did. And then yeah. sometimes I go, Look what I did. Yeah, sure. And I don't feel bad about it anymore. Like, I don't feel bad running away from that pride. Like, I did this. Yeah. You know, it's okay. I uh, I, I am very, very bad with... I know. Uh, even feeling... The feeling of, like, okay, this... I, I, I deserve this. You know yes. what I'm saying? It's such a terrible problem for me. And it always has been. And I was, like, still... Fine. Like I sit in my house, you know, with my wife and my kid and everything's paid. I have literally everything in that house that I could possibly want. And yeah. I'm like, someone's going to come in here and steal all this. Yeah. <laughs> someone's going to take this, this away. This is going to catch on fire. It. Yeah. This is not good. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be me. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like that little dog. It's the best thing. This yeah. is fine. Yeah. This is fine. Yeah. So um, we had a little uh, prize. That's right. For our competitors. And uh, unfortunately, I was holding a new baby, so he fucking. That's like literally the best excuse ever. So. Yeah, I know. But she didn't give a fuck. Yeah. She was like, "Why are you still here, bro?" Idiot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, who were our prize winners? So I and I still have to. I have to. I have to um, one of them went to um, special forces. The other one. So what I did is that I doubled it. You, we the Battle Axe podcast put a hundred dollars. Um, and we're going to give it to the most winningest strongman, female and male. Nice. This is what I wanted to do. So the most winningest female was Alexander Castellanos from the Battle Axe Gym, who just completely, I think, took first in almost every single event. But what we did is we did with max points per class, not a novice. So the most winningest female was Alex, and the most winningest male was Harry Walker, was my boy Harry, Ugh. who did great. <laughs> who literally flowed down, flew down on Friday, <laughs> competed Saturday, we got wasted, took him <laughs> home. I had to leave him. At, at, I had to drop him back off at, at his car at three in the morning, and he took up uh, for SF training. So I haven't had a chance to really catch up because I don't like bugging him when he's out there. But he's yeah, back sure. now because he's doing bro shit. So the Battle Last podcast gave it to those two, which was fucking awesome to see people, you know, homegrown kind of people. So yeah, sure. Um, 
And it was cool to see a bunch of other athletes just dominate, man, and, and see top three. You know, there's a lot of stories. That's what I tell you. There's a lot of stories involved. Yeah. That people don't see. You know, you're just seeing, like, the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. You're not seeing the injury. We talk about this all the time. The injuries, the 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 the, the real-life stress, you know, yep. overcoming this stuff. It's like, I get asked this a lot, and I get told this a lot. It's like, why does such and such keep doing it? Like, you're going to get hurt. What's the fucking point? Like, you have a career. You have a life. You know, why did, like, you're going to end up like this and like that. And I get this. I get this a lot. People ask me sometimes. Not so much anymore because I, I come off. I exude that attitude. Like, don't ask me that stupid question. You know the answer to that. Yeah. And maybe as a coach and a gym owner, they kind of get it. Um, but it wasn't always that way. And I get, I know a lot of my people do. You know, female, male, whatever. And. My question is like, and I'm, I guess always ask them back. I'm like, how do you do what you do without doing anything? Like, how how do you exist? Like, how how do you want to be remembered? God. And they're like, they just look at me like the recoil has got to be like, yeah. They look at me like, well, you know, I have other. They go like, what? Like, there was one thing to be, like, what have you formulated with your own fucking will? Like, what have you done with your own true sacrifice? And if you have something to answer me, then you'll tell me with courage and, and, and very, very straight to the point. I did such and such. Okay. Do you know that feeling? Like, yeah. Would you ever give up that feeling? Would you ever stop feeling that feeling that you're feeling, that feeling of pride and, and courage and, and happiness and also anxiety and fear? Like, would you ever let that feeling go? They're like, well, no, of course not. I go, then don't ask me to do it. And you know, it's not all of us. It's and it's not for nothing, but it's like if I told you to just not feel for your child, then now I can't relate to that specifically. Sure. But if I told you, I'm like, what's the big deal, John? It's just a kid. You're gonna be like, excuse me, <laughs> okay, maybe to you, asshole. But and then you're gonna say it right. And if I told you, well, stop it. You can't. You fucking can't. And no matter how many times you hold her from now until the last days of time, there's gonna be something there, and that's what competing feels like. Yeah. For true competitors, for the true warrior, you have this this hurricane, this 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 avalanche of emotions every time you feel for it: fear, happiness, uh, pride, also self doubt. And what am I gonna do with this thing? What am I gonna do with this? What I'm doing? Am I even gonna be good at this? Uh, what if I fail? Those feelings for some of us are continu- like continuously being expressed in sport. How can you run away from that? And my question would be like, how do you live without it? Yeah. You know, and there's other ways of doing it. Art, music, of course. Ask a fucking artist. Do you might as well ask him to chop off his fucking hands. <laughs> yeah. Don't paint again. What? And I tell this to people all the time. I go, you know, I mean, not for nothing. I'm really artistic and my family is, you know, great genetics. I can express myself in various ways. It's just so, just I know. It's so up. awesome. I'm going to put my cowboy hat on as I say this. Disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to do a quick sketch Study of your hand I'm going to sketch it With my left I'm going to start a documentary All the things MDLP is bad at And then I'm going to laugh Every time (laughs) It's going to be a five minute uh, Five minute documentary Bad at nothing Um, uh, Except maybe bowling I'm not good at bowling Which pisses me off You'd think Yeah yeah. No, as a strength athlete, you just be able to chuck that heavy Can't, fucker down. There. I end up fucking destroying my arm <laughs> or golf, but I'm good at drinking, so that counts. A seven pound ball, I can throw like a fastball. <laughs> you know, and I, I just had this conversation, and this is why I'm bringing up the concept. One of my new guys, his name is Diesel, and I was like, I'm not calling you fucking Diesel guy. And he showed me his real name, and I'm like, oh, that's harder to pronounce. I'm just gonna call you D from now on, you know. And uh, anyways, 
he's an artist. And he showed me, I was like, okay, let's see. And he showed me his work. Absolutely beautiful. Incredible artist. And I mean this for real. I'll show you some stuff after the show. Yeah. And I said, I'm lucky enough that I am. Like all the designs you see on the shirt and stuff like that, it comes from my head and Vinny's head and we work together. I'm lucky enough to have grown up in a very art-driven family. Yeah. I've drawn and painted a lot of my life and music and stuff like that. To have a chance to use my imagination to make money. And as people don't really understand is that that those things that you're seeing on the shirts and the and the that comes from my imagination. That's me being artistic as a way of expressing myself. And to be lucky enough to make money off that is insane. Right. And I'm expressing that to him. And I say, I go, well, now I have that. I go, you are my piece of canvas now. And I say this a lot. I go, you are my work of art. You and you and you. And I pointed to different people. I go, this is us working together to allow yourself to express yourself. You are a walking sculpture, whether it's by muscle or effort or scars or stories to tell. When you tell a, a competitor to stop competing, you might as well set the canvas on fire. Because when you look at somebody who competes, there is something in that body and in those eyes that just says, go. Mm-hmm. You can't turn that off. You're asking somebody to just put, be put out and be just done. So, you know, you, I know a lot of you guys listening have heard this. Yeah. And it's like, you can't. There's, you don't, that's what I always respond with. Like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And, and it, I needed to bring it up because when you're in these shows and you know the story, because I know the story behind each and every one of my guys and some of the people that aren't mine, but I know them. Oh, yeah. It's heartwarming. You see them lift and you're like, wow. The, uh, you know, you get so used to watching the, uh, the Ralph Richie U competition. Yeah. And then you get to watch Ralph and Sebastian compete what against each other. What the fuck was that, bro? Dude. And Papa, hell, young man's coming, dog. And you did such a great job at reconnecting. You know what? You were just okay. Yeah, fine. I'll take no, it. No, you're just fine. You were great. <laughs> you were great. But you you did a great job. Like, I already know the story. They're personal friends, you know? So yeah. I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm like, wow. Yeah, fucking this sensei, is so bro. Cool. Sensei and, and you said that. And I was like, Oh, fuck. Yeah, this it is good. Right? And it's cool. It's cool to see it because yeah. obviously, like when me and Austin compete, and me and anyone in my, but me and Austin are 231s, it's like, you're like, okay, you're my student, but I'm going to make this really hard for you. Yeah. But there's a sense of competitiveness and selfishness because you want them to do well, but you want to beat them, but you want them to beat you. It's like a weird feeling, you know? Yeah. But it's fucking awesome. Like you're side by side with your, with your student that you saw barely moving is now literally pushing you beyond your fucking limits because Ralph he had to fucking Ralph had to fucking put in work yeah and it was half a point I think he won by it was something crazy crazy Um, but yeah now they're both off the fucking nationals and the thing is too is like again you get to see the progression like there at one point there's that student is not pushing you you're pushing them you're giving them a goal you represent that right and then all of a sudden you're looking over your shoulder going Fuck. <laughs> They're right there. <laughs> yeah. He's there. And I know that you experienced that with Austin too, like, you yeah. know, battling it out at Florida's. Yeah, when he and he, he beat me. He took second that year. I took fourth and, and Nationals was a different story, but Nationals was nuts. But yeah, when I tell people, it's like, this is just, every competition is so rich. If you just take time to talk to the athletes and to listen and to follow them and to see their posts, you understand that some people just even being there, and now I'm not doing participation medals. Let's be real. Winning is winning. Sure. But it it's also a lot of people that struggle through anxiety, man. 
Yeah. Like they can't even walk into a crowded room, let alone fucking lift in front of somebody. And they're doing it. And I think this is what a lot of people miss outside of our world that they don't understand. You know, um, they don't see that concept because they don't go to a show and then sit down and talk to the people. It's like a sh- it's like a contest being done in front of them, like a play. Yeah. You know, but when you sit down and you listen to the stories that each person has to just be there, I mean, you take a whole other perspective. And then you, when you try to do it, you're like, holy, this is hard. Yeah. This hurts. <laughs> you know, and I, that's the, the same thing when you competed. Look how. Look how that changed your perspective on anything. Yeah. Not let alone that comp. Like now Miami's baddest will never be the same for you. First of all, right around your baby girl's birthday, but you've been there and you're just going to look at somebody lift and be like, yes, like yeah. I know exactly what you fucking feel yeah. as opposed to that looks cool. Yeah. You know, and, and at the credit to be said, man. So shout out to you guys that competed. You know, I, I was able to speak to almost each and every single one of you. I've been involved in some in, in some way with you about coaching or hosting you or seeing you for, through all, all the shows. Yeah. Um, Austin, who I think is, has really done every single one of them. Um, and that that goes to show you, like, I like that part. What's something like that feel like to have someone literally be like, Miami's baddest one? Yeah, I was there. It, it's it, it feels you know what it's cool because they, they now it's like the yeah but i was here like since like year two you know you get and then that you're behind that is fucking cool you yeah. know what i mean like i want people to be like well i was here since one or i have the shirt from year one you know like that you started that kind of um yeah memorabilia if you will like people collecting things like that like the miami's baddest shirts or the back well, junkyard Bahala. did that in his post which yeah. was super cool which was fucking was a great. very nice touch yeah you know what i mean that's another one man this fucking story to be told dog yeah you know and look look how good he did yeah yeah you know what i mean so like if you take time as a promoter and i think that's that's why honestly why we don't stop putting on shows because it does suck ask anyone yeah it's not worth it in the sense of anything else but when you see people what you can provide for people, it's like I'm never, every year I'm like, I don't want to do it this year. Fuck it. Even ask people. I was like, I don't want to do it, man. I just, I know I have to. And as I get closer and closer and closer, I'm like, okay, no, I like this. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, just like competing. How many yeah. times you get into a company? Like, I really don't want to do this. Yeah. I just want to go home, you know? And then, it, but then you get there and you're like, fuck this. I'm in. Yeah. You know, fuck yeah. Let's get it. Even if you're doing bad, you're like, fucking, let's do it, you know? Yeah. And, and you know what? As a spectator and, and a competitor, like, you know, I've had a chance to compete in your events and I've also had a chance to spectate other events. And I don't know what it is. And maybe it's just, uh, you know, our, our, our friendship, our brotherhood, you know, that there's like an electricity in your events that is so different from others. Cause I've been to others and I've been like, eh, you know, yeah. I, I we were in Tampa once, and you were there coaching. Right. And I was like, it's cool. It's cool. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, cool. All right, let's go. But, man, like, and, and so I'll, different. And I'll tell you why. And this is this is my opinion, obviously. It, when you, okay, here's an example. When you exude that you really want, when your genuine passion for something is real, yeah. I think human beings are very receptive to that. I think... As much as people are like, oh, I hate people, people are dumb, people are not. You know, we're a very intelligent animal. We have an incredible ability to pick up, like, if you want to say, vibes or energy or genuine, like, feelings, right? Yeah. We have a very, it's a survival mechanism. It's just like when somebody walks in and you feel that they're dangerous, you're like, oh, I can feel this. Yeah. Or that they're happy or upset, even without a sad face. When I started this, that was my attitude. 
and the people that I cultivated around me fed off that and also became that. Yeah. So when you walk into a, a, a battle axe, anything, it's 30, 40 people with that energy. So when they, the people come, they feed off that. And then the next year they come back, they're now the lighthouse. They're the beacon. And so on and so forth. It makes like a, like a pass it forward kind of thing. Yeah, like sure. you, you start to like, well, I'm not going to show up to Miami's baddest with a bad attitude yeah. because no one there has a bad attitude. Or I'm not going to go there and be a fucking pussy because that's a non-pussy show because that's how we talk. Yeah. And it's just like eventually if you, if you talk enough and act enough that you're happy and strong and love life, people are going to resonate that around you. Yeah, sure. Right? But if you always act like, well, I suck, how are people going to treat you? <laughs> so I took that attitude, that psychology of it, and I said, man, if I hit this show with everything I have and all my people too, because we have a meeting, a lot of you guys aren't really uh, aware of this, but we, we wake up at all of us at four in the morning. We're there at 5 a.m. sharp, 4.45 for me, maybe 4.30. And there's a meeting there. And my first thing, one of my first thing is your fucking attitude matters. So if you have a bad attitude or a poor face or you're in a shitty mood, go the fuck home. You're going to smile. You're going to serve. You're going to pick up garbage. We're here to provide for people. Get off the fucking soapbox. You are here to put on a great service for people. And that is the attitude that you're going to have. And that there is more happiness in that attitude of serving others than having to be like, whoa, this fucking sucks. Like, you, you should thank me. No, no, no. Like, I thank everyone for coming to that show. Yeah. Because the feeling after is a fucking high. Almost as high or higher than when I've won competitions. Because it's a different fucking feeling. Yeah, sure. It's like when one of my people win. Like, I'm like, oh, my heart. It's a know? collective effort. So the, to answer that question and to kind of push it, and you're right. It's because now you're one of those beacons, too. Because the moment you step in the battle axe or go to a show, you're like, I'm at the battle axe. Like, I'm happy. Like, I'm. what's up, Mike? What do you need? Hey, can I do this? And I'm yeah. like, it's okay, man. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, get after it. The funny thing is, too, is uh, it's such a... It's such an energy that people who will ask me, like, wanting to come to your gym for the first time, and they'll self-regulate themselves in terms of, like, I don't, I'm not in the right mindset to go to this place. And I'm like, yeah. well, either you are or you aren't, you know? Yeah, you'll find out I quick. always tell people, look, you should still go, you know, and connect with the place. But you'll know if it's for you right away. Yeah. And I said, and listen, it's not for everybody, but if it's for you. Yeah, it's not gonna. It'll it's be not going for you anywhere. forever. Yep. And so it's funny because I again, you know, I, I have this weird, I don't know, this weird network of people that come to me for stuff. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, okay, I'll help you. I guess. <laughs> Let me answer. Yeah, like you could just ask them. Yeah. <laughs> Should I go to the battle action? It's a fucking great question yeah. for him. Why don't you Can't ask him? Send them a message. Yeah. Well, but you're that buffer zone. Do you think you could? <laughs> that safety net yeah i guess hey, <laughs> yes like hey man you know i got this guy maybe no nah. so uh so i guess we could say miami's baddest was another success are we looking to was there anything that happened from covid that you think was a good lesson or a good carryover to how you're going to run the show yeah forward good that's a good question uh speaking in alan ran this concept in um in Florida's, it was kind of like a rolling wheel concept where instead of having the announcer go, um, athlete ready, timer ready, go, where it was always on this reset mode, which you're looking at 30 seconds to a minute, a hundred, a few hundred times throughout the day adds up to hours. Yeah. 
So what we did and what I did in Florida, but I did it for every single event was it basically was run by the judge. Meaning when your turn was up, the judge was, I wasn't stopping everybody going like, okay guys, like even the moving events, it was just going in its own lane basically. So if we ran four lanes, they were all running on their own. Oh wow. Lane one could be deadlifting. Lane two is pretty much finishing. Three is about to go. Like they just, this kind of revolving door concept. And we did it in everything, the moving events. So it was just constant action. There wasn't a, yeah. okay, guys, you know, resetting. Like, as soon as one lane was ready, you could have one resetting plates and on the yoke, and this one was already, fin- like, starting their event. Wow. Instead of having this, so the crowd was really involved, and I thought that was a great idea to run for everything, not just a, like, for, so we did it with, first two events were four lanes, then two, two, and then four. So the Atlas Stones was just a fucking go. It was four lanes going, stone, yeah. stone, stone. Now, it was harder a little bit on me as the MC because... You know, the, the, the crowd was shifting. And I don't know if you saw on the live feed, we had like a, a triple crowd area. Yeah. Why do we have that? Because of COVID. So I wanted to spread the audience around, which ended up being great because yeah. people can see closer to their family. There's different angles. Um, so these things that, again, were obstacles actually made our show a lot sharper, a lot faster, a lot more entertaining. So, again, that's what success really comes from is from looking at these obstacles and going like, how are you going to make a better show from what we have? So going into 2022, because obviously my hands are already there. Like I know how I'm going to run a show with a hundred people in under four to five hours. Wow. You know, like no longer like this whole, okay, everyone reset bullshit. You want to see your family? Hey, by the way, you know, set up like next year, set up a map where you're going to be, where you're going to sit and what you're going to do. So if you want to be in a certain area, That's we just brilliant. figured it out. Yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. It was really fucking cool. Awesome, man. Did you, uh, did you have a personal favorite moment from this show? Oof. Honestly, um, I think the, the the best part for me was when I got to sit down um, and watch. Because as an MC, it's like it's hard. Yeah. Um, and especially, like I said, with this new kind of four lane, everything going, it's very hard to just pinpoint or cue in or focus on one thing happening. Yeah. But when I was able to sit back and I was just watching the crowd just like basically right on that borderline, just clapping, cheering. I saw parents, oh, a lot of people's parents there. That's awesome. And I was just super flattered. Like I love, like look, like seeing my mom there was cool, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think my favorite part was seeing people show their parents with pride. Not like, oh, this is some freak show. Yeah. And the parents coming up to me and being like, wow, like, man, I didn't know my son or daughter can do this. I'm like, yeah, man, it's pretty cool, huh? And yeah. they're, like, they're like, yeah, really cool. People are outside, like, when I see that, when I see the family members and enjoying and respecting yeah. what their family members doing, yeah, that's the most important because I want that's what this is about. Sure, you want people's respect. You don't want to look like a freak show. <laughs> it's not a clown show for us. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. As, as much as it's been in like acts, but you can see that look in the parents' eye, like, wow, you know, my son did that, my daughter did that. And I was yeah. like, I was like. You're welcome. <laughs> like, here you go. You know, like now, you know, I know what that looks like. You know, Yeah, that's awesome, man. So yeah. we got a couple of events coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, the next event is going to be the Limitless Lifters event. Correct. Wait, you know what? Let's reverse it. The next event coming up is the Battle Axe anniversary. Correct. Night, more of a, a party. Um, but I think we should, I think we should name the Limitless first. Okay. Because Let's I do, do want to get chatty about the anniversary. Okay, so let's let's go over. So Limitless Lifters, uh, first of all, when was that uh, presented to you? 
Like, how did that conversation come about? So in 20, 2019, uh, Alejo, who runs the Limitless Family, he, he, he basically trains um, people with certain disabilities or special needs, kids or young people, not necessarily kids. Some of them are like, you know, in their teens yeah. and adults. Um, he had run a gym and he approached me um, about hosting this competition. So immediately I thought about the BV. I'm like, well, yeah. who, who else better to team up with with a nonprofit organization that actually walks the walk? So then it became like a trio. Um, and I said, look, you don't have a, with them you have promotion and you can do this like legally and properly and you have our Correct. backing as far as knowing how to do it, the coaching, whatever, 2019. It went amazing. Very kind of like, I don't want to say last minute, but a couple of things had to be done the day of, but it just, it was, it worked out so well. It was actually extremely fun. Yeah. Actually, after Miami's, everything after Miami's just seems like a walk in the park. <laughs> sure. um, and like I said, watching these, I don't want to say kids, but most of them are kids and these young people do what they're doing with their passion. And yet their happiness is the most heartwarming fucking shit. There was no dry eye in the house. I don't care who you are, bro. You see this fucking kid who can barely walk bench pressing and the fucking look of happiness on that kid's face is so pure. It's like staring into the sun. You're just like, if I look any longer, I'm going to fucking cry. Like cry, cry. Not like ugly cry. Yeah, yeah. And it was so passionate and the parents and everyone cheering and, you know, it was beautiful. So in uh, May 22nd of this month, we're going to do this again. We're going to do it. We teamed up with Danny from CrossFit Soul who's providing the area, who's another fucking, one of my homeboys. Yeah. He's always, yeah, and he's always willing to walk the walk when it comes to helping people because he's been through some shit, you know? Yeah. So he, he walks the walk, right? Um, and he's going to be there with his his family and his clan and his people helping us out. He's going to have a great fucking gym. It's going to be, it's it's going to go from nine to one. Again, we're going to volunteer some guys. We're also going to have lifters there. Alan's coming down. He's going to do about a thousand pound yoke. He's going to put on a little show for the kids because oh, cool. thousand pounds, a thousand fucking pounds. And people just are just casually doing a thousand yeah, pound. For him, it's a fucking Saturday. For me, I'm like, oh, PR, you know. Um, and and a part of this process, and the coolest part about this is, and this is this is why it matters. This is why it matters for people to, to take action. Year one was kind of scrambled. I didn't get a lot. We got a good crowd, but now, yeah, people are just, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? And then the the direct answer is show up. Like, it's all taken care of. What those kids, they don't need, we already have the spotters, loaders, whatever. What they need is your your presence, yeah, your energy. Like you cannot, it's hard to put into words, but when we film it again, like I said, they feed off that just like everyone else, man. Yep. And I don't want to be like they, like they don't, it's the same thing, man. They need you. That's like a competitor needs you. Yep. And they'll go up and they'll, they'll cheer. Just show up, man. Show up. Take care of it. Eat some food. Get after it, man. Cheer them. If you want to do anything, just... Sh- and this is the hardest thing for people in Miami to do is show up. Because it's super easy, super Hispanic to be like, oh, what do you need me to do? And and by sending a message, you feel like you've helped enough. Yeah. No, motherfucker. Show the fuck up. You know? Like saying, oh, man, hey, happy birthday. I'm like, yeah, but you weren't there, so fuck off. <laughs> You know, I know you live down the street, Papa. Like, yeah, stop. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, although traffic's a pretty good excuse. It's terrible here. You'll get there, damn it. <laughs> Just like we almost didn't get here today. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> hell. So close. The fuck is this traffic? Yeah, man. I think, uh, you know, again, 
it's been it's been awesome. I didn't get a chance to make the first one, but we'll be there. Uh, so really looking forward to. Uh, we're actually gonna probably bring Lola to it if we Fuck, can. Yeah, yeah. And then all uh, the pictures, know, the wife, and yeah. I think it's good to not only experience for yourself, but have these extensions of yourself and your family and stuff to experience what you feel when these things happen. Right. Because that you know, babies feed off that shit, man. Oh hell they, yeah. They need to see that. They need to feel it because you know. Most of their their ability to understand right now is visual or sensory. Yeah, you can't talk to them and be like, "Hey, this is fun." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's something to be said about. <laughs> and this is not to get too psychological or whatever, but dealing with and I'm, again, I'm not promoting that I like kids, but <laughs> when you deal with kids like Gunner, it's your words only go so far. Yeah, and let me express something about little Gun. I don't like kids in the sense of it's just not my thing. Yeah, sure. But it doesn't mean I, I don't identify or understand what a warrior spirit or what effort looks like. I told Walker directly, I said, you know how I am as a man. You know how I am as a coach. If you want to bring in your son to that environment, it's on you. But because he wants to be a fighter, that's what he wants to do at age six. That's what he's doing. I respect that journey, and I'll train him. People have asked me, do you train kids? I go, no. Trust me, I, I fucking curse at kids. I'll say, what the fuck are you doing, gun? Wake up. That's how I speak to him. Because yeah. that's what it's going to take in life. If you don't like that concept, don't bring your fucking kid to me. And what, has, what I have learned from him, and I meant it, and, and I mean this to be true, yeah. is that you, can't, you have to have a certain level of drive and execution for them to understand, but you can't pummel them into the ground. Because sometimes you forget that this little thing is six years old. Yeah, sure. So you have to understand that if you go, you fucking suck, that that might ruin their life. And yeah. also, like, where's the guideline of the standard for six-year-olds, right? Right. Like, where's the handbook? <laughs> Fuck. So, and this is something that, you know, some of you have been seeing on Instagram and, and seeing me train him. Yeah. That has shown me so much within the last, and I mean this, and I don't mean to be fucking sensitive or whatever. I have learned so much from teaching a child, just like I've learned from teaching people from who are elite athletes and special needs kids and men, women, old, young, whatever. Races, uh, uh, religion, whatever the fuck. Yep. But there is something to be said that we forget when we don't deal with children is that they're always watching. But that lesson, uh, how many times have I said that to you? Yep. Someone somewhere is always watching. And they're watching at your actions, the way you walk, the way you stand, and they're mimicking. Because I know as a kid, the same obsession with Wolverine, I was watching. Same thing I would watch, like, my father, my parents, my brother, my older friends, like, watching and learning. You never should stop learning that lesson in life. You should never treat an adult like if you just told them something that it's enough because it's not. But they're, they are watching too because we all have that child mind. Yeah. How you're saying something, how you mean something, how you express it, like what your eyes are doing, where's, the, where's your hands, where's your body language. That's so important and we forget that yeah. because we think sending a text like, hey, I miss you. But when you look at somebody and you hug them, you're like, bro, I fucking miss you, dog. Like, how are you? Yeah. That's a lesson that's been more engraved because I already knew going in. But speaking to them is only so much. You know, they need to see that I'm either really behind them or proud of them or angry at what they're doing. They need to see it. I can't just be like, I'm angry, gun. He's going to be like, well, why? They don't get it. But if I'm like, yeah. yo, and I look at him a certain way, he's going to be like, fuck. Yeah. We never should forget those lessons. Just like when, you, when he wins his fight. And I give him his hug. I'm like, dude, I'm proud of you, man. Yeah. And they need to see it in my face. Not just like a text. 
good job, buddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? So don't forget those lessons. And it's something that had come up just, you know, when you were talking about talking to a kid and stuff. Just like when you go to this event. They need to see you. It, you can't repost it and think you're a fucking philanthropist. <laughs> Fuck you, bro. Yeah. That's classic Miami. I reposted it, so it's like I'm there. I'm like, no, it's not. Because when those kids see you cheering and you shake their hands, oh, it's emotional, bro. Yeah, Let sure. me explain that to you. Sure. I'm, 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 first of all, be ready. Nobody is out crying. Me? <laughs> Lola thought she had the upper hand because she's a newborn? Yeah, but... <laughs> Get fucked. I've been destroying <laughs> her place, every asshole. day. <laughs> you want to outcry your dad, idiot? <laughs> Stupid idiot. Not going to happen. Uh, fuck. So I'm ready. I'm ready. My tear ducts are on swole. Oh, man. This makes me feel so good. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're going to move on soon. But I would say uh, to new listeners, to people who might just be tuning in, who maybe you're casually hearing it from someone else, make them come to this event. In one sentence. And a hush falls over the ground. (laughs) No. If you really want to give back to loving people and loving, I don't want to say a a certain um, population, but if you really want to give back to not only these kids but yourself, just show up. you're, You're getting a chance to give something so tremendous and those kids will take your presence as love, bro. And I don't mean this in any kind of soft way, but your presence alone is enough to change these kids' life, enough to get them out of bed where they need help getting out of bed, man. They need help walking, breathing, moving, lifting, eating. Yeah. All you have to do is show up and you're willing to make this kid's day. Dude, that's the freest, cheapest act of compassion that you probably need for your fucking soul, bro. And after a year, like last year, it's no fucking excuse, man. None. Uh-huh. None. All you got to do is show up. You don't even charge nobody. It's free, dog. Get out of here. Well, if I could go a second time. Fuck. <laughs> Let's, we should just voice clip that part, yeah. and we're going to use it as a fucking promo, bro. I think we might be able to do that. I think we can do that. I mean, not us, but I know a guy. we'll pay some well, techie nerd. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to stop your Star Trek episode, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, the axe anniversary, man, everything's just, I feel like it's all right on top of itself. Dude, axe April, anniversary. I had surgery May, oh, excuse me, March 23rd, Miami's baddest, April, the weekend, like April 3rd or something. April 3rd, yep. Right. I'll never forget that we day. Have, <laughs> yes. We have, um, you know, the anniversary on the 15th, and we have Limitless coming up. In this process, we've developed an, a beer for the Battle Axe Gym. We are... Wait, hold, what? Uh, it's hello? Coming. It's coming. Holy shit, yeah. what are you doing, bro? I'm sorry, man. And we're doing this in the last five, six weeks. And I mean this because, you know, the Battle Axe Gym turns nine years old this year. Obviously, next year it turns 10. And I think I'm going to host, like, the baddest fucking coolest thing in the world. Probably make it super fucking pagan with fires and kilts and body paint or whatever. I'm just going to drop like fucking 10 grand on this party. It doesn't matter. But um, we turned nine years old, uh, May 15th. And the reason why it's it's actually 12, 20. It's actually the 12th or the tw- or the 19th. Excuse me. It's the 19th. But we're hosting it the 15th. Because gotcha. the true story is in 2012, I went and did, back when Elliot Hulse was relatively normal. Um <laughs> He had a strength coach 
thing. It was like strongman powerlifting. He had like a whole certificate, a whole strength thing. I went there for the weekend. I got, and I was at this time I was trying to uh, start a gym. And we've had some episodes where we talk about it. Yeah. I met with other coaches, himself, other entrepreneurs. The courage episode. Correct. Damn, you're good. Wow. And I, I obviously was inspired. I came back that weekend. That week, I applied for my first legitimate credit card, which was kind of nuts. Um, then, in two weeks, of that same week when I got my credit card, my American Express, not the cool one, I bought everything and everything under the book I could. I took a whole paycheck that weekend. I remember I got a paycheck on Friday. It was like, at the time, like 14, 15 something. I took that whole paycheck and my credit card and I maxed out everything and I bought everything for the gym. The week later, two weeks later, I had already rented the space and it was there. So that was two weeks after Cinco de Mayo because I remember that was the weekend we went up. That's a full send right there. Full send, bro. I came back and then, of course, you know, the rest is kind of history, which we'll talk. But that was nine fucking years ago. That's almost a lifetime, bro. Nine years. Nine years can... And I tell you what, I, I, well, first of all, <laughs> so what I'm doing on the anniversary is that I'm, you know, I told people today and I'm going to post it. At six o'clock, I'm going to have friends and close family come because yeah. I, I want it to be intimate. Also, it's at a brewery, so I don't want to have to tell people, I'm doing a speech. You know, somebody's going to come in and piss me off, say something, or it's going to be, you know, I don't like that. I want it to be intimate. And I've practiced this speech. It's funny because I was supposed to today. I was. I was like, when you do the best speech ever, but it's in the shower because I fucking kill it. <laughs> um, but it's going to be said here today because, like we said, we wanted this episode out before the anniversary for many, many reasons. Yep. But I feel, and amongst things that we'll say later and, and coming forward, but one year at the Battle Axe is like six years of life. <laughs> You know what I mean? You yep. feel like you've <laughs> maybe aged physically. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. But also mentally and spiritually and consciously or however you want to say it, you really just get in this concept of 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 aging and and wisdom and experience and hardships. And it's, again, like you said, there's something that you can't really put into words constantly. It's definitely a a feeling, an electricity, uh, a vibe, if you will. I hate that word, but I get it. Oh, it's such a Miami thing. It's to say. such a Miami thing. Mood, fucking stop. It's an attitude. That's what I prefer okay. for us. But it's like every year there is that. And to have been a part of it for nine fucking years is like when people go, yeah, I'm turning 37 this year, but I'm going on 80, bro. Physically, for sure. <laughs> but mentally, like the people that I've experienced that are now like brothers and sisters to me, the stories that I've heard, the hardships that I've seen, the connections that I've made within nine years are worth lifetimes. You know what immortality is? It's fucking experience. You think that something like this, like somebody's going to stop whispering that name, dude. Immortality is real, bro. It's right here. When you have... 10, 15, 20, 100 stories to tell because you've seen it from somebody's eyes and voice and lips telling you how they've overcome things. It's like you lived a thousand lifetimes. Yeah. Like, you know, my, you know, some of them in their 30s and 40s, I feel like I've been alive every year in their life. I feel like I feel that, their age and their, their concepts. And I've been fortunate enough to be in a space where I've been able to share this with some 
pretty incredible people. Some pieces of shit too, <laughs> but I thank them too. Yeah. And even the worst, and I hope they live forever. It doesn't matter. Like people think I really hold that grudge. I don't. Like I'm like, thank you for your time at this gym. For the most part, it was great. Yeah. You know, good for you. I hope you're awesome. I hope life is good. Because there was something that you taught me or I learned from them in their time at the gym. I'm that lucky. You know, fortunate, obviously, you know, you work hard and luck is not always like that. But sure. Think about it. You're in a presence in a place where you're getting to hear and learn and and be a part of so many people's lives and education and wisdom and stories. And they're not even speaking about their profession. Because look at all the professions that have walked in from drug dealing scumbag to fucking doctors and lawyers. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You know? All all putting in the same efforts, which is incredible. I love that. Uh, so I don't remember who said it, but I always thought it was like, it's a reverberation of something that you've said, but differently, which is I've soared with the eagles and slithered with, slithered with the snakes. Yeah. I'm like, man, that's my life right there. Right. But I would like to think that in some cases you actually get to see people actually begin to live, right? Right. It's like a stigma. Like we say, oh, you're not really living, man. Or, or, you know, I didn't live until. And it's true. It's so true. It's cliche, but only because it's 100% true. I muddled through so many years of my life until Mm. I found strength. Yeah. Like, you know, like the only other time that I really felt like I was like free was like when I would play basketball. Right. And I could play for three, four hours, and I would never think about anything else. Right. And now it's like, okay, well, now when I get under the, to the bar to squat, I'm like, nothing nothing matters. Right. And I think that, like, there's something to be said in that those nine years, like, yeah, you've been a part of someone's life, but you also didn't even see them live until they step foot in your gym and they experience these things, their first competition, their first loss, their first win, all of those things collectively yeah and and in that mean in that man it's perfectly said actually in that process they're also living life right i've seen people like i said like you have a kid start a family lose a family member you know beat a disease you know never quit you know new job new experience went from from children to men women kids to a child to a woman right underneath my eyes like you know you're you're I, I don't want to sound like an old man, but you're watching people grow up right under your wing and you're trying your best not to fuck this human up with your bullshit. You know what I mean? You're literally watching this person. I can give you a million examples from nothing to yeah. lawyers, doctors, first responders, LEOs, firefighters, professionals, high level counseling, owning their own business, quitting uh, like insane, losing family members. You feel for them. You it's a living, a breathing entity. There's no such thing. Those walls are stone, but that fucking blood is real. It is red. It is sinew. It is, it is muscle. It is effort. It is passion. It is spirit. You can't. Anybody who tells you otherwise is, is either opened it up for the wrong reasons or is just not living life to their capacity. When you're in this environment, you cannot do this. Mm-hmm. It is a. And as I was going to say it, the battle axe gym is now a living, a breathing thing you know it exhales and inhales and exhales constantly it grows it hurts it bleeds it cries it grows stronger it's it's alive man it's alive through all the people that consistently put their bodies through the line to show up to lift because they know 
that they might be saving somebody's day or effort just by showing up. And the responsibility of responsibility keeps them going into this 900-square-foot box in the middle of a warehouse district in Miami in the fucking globe, a speck, a speck in the line of history has left so much impact on so many lives. And if that doesn't move you that you're a part of that, I'm not even going to get upset about it because I know it's true. I don't even have to question it anymore. I don't even have to get mad because I know it's right. Like, oh, this, if you don't feel this, you're wrong. No, it's, I know you feel it. Like, I don't have to ask you. You don't it's even palpable. have to say it. Yeah. It's something special, man. And, and, and every once in a while, you, you walk into that gym and it has that hot musk smell and the iron and the people. You know, and not every day you walk in the same. Sometimes you're like, fuck this place and I'm tired and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And Mike's mad or whatever. But where would you be without this place? Where would we be? Yeah. And it, it doesn't take more than just looking over your shoulder or looking in the fucking mirror to realize, you know, where would you be? Yeah. It's a fact too, you know, it's, it's not a place that you have to be in to feel connected to. Right. You know, I'm not in the battle axe every day. I'm, in fact, I very rarely get a chance to go there, but you know what? It's something about seeing the lifters uh, post their, their training sessions or even how they just check on me as an extension of family. That's right. like, Hey man, you good? What? You? Yeah. Yeah. What? I, oh, I, hey. I got friends for 25 years. They haven't even asked me how the baby's doing. Like what? And I don't hold it against them. Of course. But I understand the, the place, you know? Right. So so let's talk about... I mean, you got to fuck... <laughs> Dude. <laughs> fucking... Okay, beer. listen. Okay. I'm, All right. I'm so we come... We're the older guys now, right? We're the older guys. Yeah, that's fine. There was no craft beer. No. It was like a... Was I there ever I'm, a time when craft beer happened where you were like, I can have my own beer? Did you ever think that? <laughs> No, <laughs> not until uh, uh, 2019. Really? Right. Go and I, it's a true story. Oh, sorry, 2020. Because I was going to do, again, shout out to Spanish Marie, who was a big player in Miami's Baddest this year. We yep. live feed in there. They provided us beer. They played it on their um, projector. They played the live feed up there, which was fucking awesome. They were super cool, very patient with all of us. But in 2020, that was my idea. I said, hey, I want to sponsor a keg that's Battle Axe Brew for Miami's Baddest. And I had all everything ready, and then everything went to shit. Yeah. You know, they, they went through a very hard time, and but they overcame. And I just put it in the, I was like, fuck it. And that, damn, man, like, that would have been really cool. Yeah. And then, of course, with the Unbranded and my cousin building great relationships with them, yeah. and him telling me, like, yo, they're super receptive. I'm like, really? Yeah. And it just, I was like, and I heard, like, oh, maybe. I'm like, yeah, but we've always wanted a beer. That's cool. Let me just drop it in there. Fuck it. Maybe they'll do it for us. Crazy receptive. Like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, so, like I said, they're so cool about it that I'm like, what are you doing? Are you going to pee in this beer? You know, like, it's, it's, I, I laugh about it all the time. I'm like, cause I'm like, the fuck are you planning, guy? Yeah, it's weird. They're genuinely nice. Yeah. And they're very not- receptive. I said, look, I'll pay for the, the fucking hops, the keg, whatever. Let me know how I can be. They're like, no, it's cool. We'll just, you know, put your name on it. I'm like, <gasps> and, I think the biggest thing to me is not only that, obviously, we're a drinking culture. I'm a, from a drinking, I mean, we're all, everyone's a drinking culture, right? Yeah. And I love beer and I love this Assumedly concept. so. Yeah, there's, I don't think there's one culture that can't say they're not drinking culture. Nobody. Everyone's, nobody. They're not friends of ours. Yeah. Nerds. <laughs> Fucking again. Okay, but edit our videos. <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah, we have that too. Um, and 
it was like, how cool is that? And I mean the word cool, because I think it's okay to say sometimes that it's fucking cool. Like, you don't always have to have this fucking professional outlook. Like, it's really cool to have a beer made by people in your town that you grew up with. That are going to make a beer for you, by you, and the concept for your people. How fucking cool is that? Like, how many, like, think about the conversation you might have with yourself one life and be like, yeah, you know, back in 2021, I had a fucking beer. And they're like, no, you're definitely, like, dude, yeah. And I might have, obviously, I'm going to save, I'm a hoarder, so I'm going to save the can for the rest of my fucking life. Yeah. Just like a piece of comics that are worth so much money right now, by the way. Uh, that's something we'll talk about after. Uh-huh. Get fucked. Old yeah. people thought that would Stupidos. never be worth nothing. And think about it, man. Yeah. Like, if you really think about it, that's such cool shit to talk about. And I think some of us, sometimes we forget and, like, we don't really think about that it's okay to be fucking cool, man. Like, you're doing something that people are going to enjoy, that people are going to love, and people are going to uh, strive for. But you're setting a pace. Yeah. You're doing something different. Like, when we did the, 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 the event at a brewery, when oh, we have the live So scene, cool. Think about these things. Like, it's something that I enjoy. And, you know, shout out to my cousins that we challenge ourselves constantly like this unbeknownst to ourselves you'll get something i'm like oh fuck i better go you know like you want to surround yourself with people like that yeah and just you know it's gonna be awesome like we're gonna sit there listen to this we're gonna sit there in 2021 in a year where tons of gyms closed down businesses were shut down the 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 business owner like the american dream was fucking shattered into the ground we're here in 2021 stronger than ever drinking our own fucking beer celebrating nine fucking years fucking cool bro because everything ends johnny so i'm gonna ride this fucking wave super hard yeah i'm gonna wear my fucking cowboy hat and i'm gonna live a fucking good life because i'm at that point yeah like i need to know like i'm at that point where i'm recognizing i think a lot of us are too that we need to live this fucking moment and we need to take it for everything that it owns yep and fucking nine years, dog. Fuck out of here. I just want to be able to sit back on my couch. And when someone says, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, just having a battle axe beer. What? Fuck what? You. Yeah. So they're going to so have it on draft. I'm going to chase I told it them, down with a villain's beer. Dude. Come which on the world meet, by the way, it's on. in August. Come on. Think about these things. Yeah. And, and think about not so much only how cool that is, but what they represent. It's called exposure. It's called... Being ambitious, which is a double-edged sword, but it's called asking questions and putting yourself out there and, yeah. and learning to be uh, people telling you no and that you're ridiculous and that this is crazy. You know, here's an example, and I always bring this up. In 2012, I made the first strongest fuck shirts, of which I'm going to be wearing on Saturday the 15th. Yeah, because I'm going to fucking... It s- me. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to swing dick with the oldest shirt, obviously. Oh, of course. But I had to give those away. I had to tell people... You know, please take this shirt. Yeah. And I would, I used to go to a place called like something frog, senior frog, something that it was like stupid expenses, like $25 a shirt. I could only make like six at a time. At the time, I wasn't making enough money to even participate in that. Yeah. We used to have to fucking do it the old school way. Battle, uh, PayPal, email, hand by hand, whatever. Long story short. Those things were given away. Right now, we are doing a new piece of retail. Every fucking month. And I have not sold under a hundred pieces all year. A hundred. I understand that there's people that sell thousands. I'm not even, I don't care. 
a hundred when I was trying to give away five shirts. Now we have beer, and all I'm saying is I'm obviously a little bragging. I feel a little braggy about it because fuck yeah, yeah. But that anyone can do it. You just you have to get used to the concept that you're gonna be told uh, told no more than you're going to earn a yes. But that one earned yes is worth a thousand no's. You have to put yourself out there. You have to try. You have to be different. You have to not care. Cut off t-shirts, fucking crop tops, cowboy hats. They do it because that's my personality. It comes from a genuine place. I'm not trying to be different for the sense of being different. I am fucking different. It comes from me being curious and trying. We sold 77 crop tops, 80% of which are fucking dudes. So we're setting a trend. We're being different. We're having a good fucking time. Relax, dog. It's just a crop top. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't like it, don't buy it. Some people are buying it just, some people with just like me and you with fucking bellies and hairy fucking chest living life because you know why? They believe in the fucking concept. They yeah. express themselves through buying. They go, hey man, I see what you're doing and I like that shit and I'm going to buy that shit because I know that you're trying to live your dream. And people need to be fucking exposed to that shit all the time. And I think that really the key to all of this is to hold fast in what you believe in, right? That being genuine and being true to yourself echoes forever. Mm. And not only does it do that, but it also creates this culture. And then this culture creates opportunity, right? And here we are. And now we've created this opportunity where you can make a beer, where you can create, you can release a crop top for men. And people are like, this culture matters so much to me, no matter where I am in the country, I need to have it. It's, it's the, it's the philosophy of the four-minute mile. Go on. When, when the first man, there was, they said it, you know, I forgot his name. Um, please forgive me for this concept. They said no one would ever break the four-minute mile. It was impossible for forever. Still impossible to me. Yeah. Well, it's impossible for both of us, especially <laughs> now with the fucking bum knee. Once the first man broke that four-minute mile, which took hundreds of years, in fact, ever, yeah. like 60-something people or 100-something people since then have broken that. When you make a God bleed, when something is like a deity to you and it bleeds, you become a force of nature. When you see someone do something that is just like projecting into the skies, you know now that it's possible. I want to be that fucking guy. Yeah. In every fucking way, even if it costs me my fucking life, I am that guy. Not because... I'm trying to be that person. I am that fucking person. And there's a lot of people listening and a lot of people that would agree that if that is who you are, you might as well fucking embrace it. You got to manage it. You got to manage it. But you got to embrace it. Be that person that makes the gods bleed. Make a fucking wave. Be the lighthouse. Be it because it's genuine. It's real. Get out there and fucking do shit that people aren't doing it because it's coming to you from a genuine, heartfelt place. Yeah. People, again, I have to reiterate this again. People know when you're fucking genuine. That's why shit sells. That's why people are attracted to certain people or they want to hang out with you or they call you friend, brother, mentor, whatever. Yeah. Because you're coming from a genuine place. And I believe that even as silly as a crop top, that just goes to show you one guy that grew up in fucking Miami with poor immigrant family uh, from Colombia is doing what he wants to do. And that's cool, man, because I see other motherfuckers do it and that inspires me. Yeah. So 
when you see this and you expose yourself to these concepts, um, that's reality. I mean, that's ambition. That's courage. That's the whole concept of it. So celebrating nine fucking years like that <laughs> is just like a, an affirmation. Not so much because always the path that I walk isn't always a straight line. It's all over the place, sometimes backwards or inward. But it's an affirmation when I see the people around me. Yeah. It's not so much that I have to look in the mirror. It's that I just have to look t- beside me. You know, with, with something being such a big deal, you know, with the culmination of years and everything that it represents, what made you decide to do it publicly as opposed to doing it at the X? Oh, good question. Uh, one, first of all, it's going to be a draft beer, so we have to drink it there. Well, I could have just bought a keg to the to the gym, so right. it didn't matter. Two, um, I really wanted to be a... Um, a showcase. I want people to go in there and feel like they are part of a party. I want it to be a party. I don't want it to feel exclusive this year. I want I want it to be inclusive. Yeah. I want you to invite your cousins, cousins, best friends, fucking neighbors, dog. I don't care. I want you to. F- I want more people to show up to see and feel what the fuck I see every day of my life. I understand that we've partied at the Battle Axe Gym for everything for the last nine fucking years. <laughs> it's hot. It's exclusive. It's us. It's doing what we want. But it's very us. Like, yeah. you know, you're not really going to invite your fucking neighbor to the Battle Axe Gym because you know it's going to be fucking drugs, alcohol, party, rough times. You know, fuck it. I love it. Yeah. Not that that's going to stop, but I'm branded. But what I'm telling <laughs> you is I want it to feel. And it's not like I don't think we've deserved this in any other time. It could have been year one. I could have sure. done it. You know, because I still remember it was a surprise, a surprise celebration year when Megan had set it up. My rugby me showed up. It was like ten. It was like twenty people, and I was like, "Oh my god, look at me!" Twenty people. Now it's like 50, 60, 70 people. Yeah, and that's just because you know it's hard to show up to anywhere in Miami sometimes. But when you think about that, like I want it to be inclusive. I want people to feel and see the camaraderie. I want everyone. This is I'm going to post it too. Like the theme is just wear their battle axe shirt. Wear your favorite one. Like, I want to see, I want to, I want to see and sit there and look at the ocean of people in the crowd, in the population, in the people wearing my shirt, my gym, our gym. I want civilians to look at us and be like, who the fuck are those guys? Yeah. I want it now. I want it in a greedy, like selfish, super. And I want everyone to feel that way. I want everyone to feel that pride that I feel because I, I feel prideful. I'm proud that the people who are going to show up who have my shirts are wearing my shirts. Like, I'm not like, oh, hey, buddy, you know, you want to stay in the back? Fuck that. Get out there and get after it. And, yeah. and, and I want that. And so I wanted it to be in public. You know, I wanted it to be somewhere, like, not in the warehouse district where we do it. Because normally I party there because it's easy. You know, it's uh, I don't have to go anywhere. You know me. If I have to drive more than 15 minutes, I'm like, bleh. <laughs> But, you know, not to mention on Brandon doing this with the, you know, the beer and promoting them and helping their, of course. Also, I want to kick as many kicks as possible because I don't think they know how many, how much this fucking we're going to drink. We're about to fuck shit up. up. I think I'm going to be like, what are you drinking? (laughs) Drink Battle Axe, bro. Stop. You want to drink Jameson? Drink it too, Doug. But chase it with a beer. What I might do is walk around and slap other beers out of people's hands. I want this. I'm going to catch it on camera. (laughs) Bah, you stupid fuck. That doesn't look like an IPL. (laughs) Idiot. Just do it with glasses and a typewriter so you look like a total hipster. Uh, like, yeah. Idiot. 
I've been drinking this beer since day one. <laughs> exactly. Wait yeah. a minute. This is day one. I don't know if you know, but I actually made this beer. <laughs> it's a hopping. It's all the lot of hops. Fucking <laughs> I actually know the description. I feel like such a nerd saying it. You like, actually know the yeah, ingredients? It's an, L, it's an IPO. Uh-huh. 5.5% alcohol with an Eldorado hops at the top. Eldorado hops. Yeah. Wow. I Googled it. I guess it's good. No, everybody knows. Everyone's <laughs> Eldorado I, hops? Yeah. That's, that's like. I used to drive an Eldorado, yeah. so I get Stupid it. Stupid idiots. You guys don't know that? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. I, great. I can't believe it's going to be nine years. It just sneaks up on you. Mm. And that's something that I think, like. I, I I said it, and obviously, like, when I have that intimate moment with everybody before the party starts or whatever. Don't worry. Most of us are clothed. <sighs> yeah, at least most of us. Most I might of just us. be, like, in a cowboy hat and no shirt. Um, <laughs> Day May. Yeah. <laughs> That's another reason to co- show up. Um, I, I really can't escape the fact of feeling uh, relatively grateful. And this was part of my, you know, shower speech that I had mentioned today when I was just talking to myself and kind of uh, situating myself emotionally. Typically what I do is that I practice speeches, especially hard ones, even eulogies, in the shower because I feel like it mentally prepares myself from either not crying or not getting emotional or doing a proper execution or delivery without me being, because I'm so... The Della Pava gene is like we just we are very emotional when we speak. It's yeah. just like one of those people that if I'm really really upset and mad, like I'll I'll start to cry because I'm an asshole. So typically, I don't let myself get there. That's why I become tempered and distant because that's easier for me. And I can I can feel this concept, you know. That, and I was gonna say it's like there's a I am a person of many words. I am a person of consistent expression, uh, and I always have a lot to say. But there's the theme, I think, for that day is like, I think everything just speaks for itself. And I, I, I wanted to kind of touch base on that as we progress in today's podcast that I hope that some of you, if not all of you, get to that point where your life speaks for itself. I've noticed as I've gotten older, I mean, I still talk a lot, obviously, but that I have more things to speak for themselves. I have more scars, more tattoos, more experience, more wrinkles, more friends, more family, more, more, more. When I thought that it would always just be less, less, less. Somebody told me that as you get older, it's less, less, less. You're right. My circles may be smaller. But the fist that holds it and protects it is much bigger. I see things around me. I I see experiences around me that just speak for itself. And as a young man, I wanted to to talk for it. I wanted to speak for what I was seeing because I felt that it would go unseen. It would go unheard. It was maybe like an anti-bully concept where I would feel like I have to speak for some things that I think were not being upheld or thrown forward. And I feel myself now in this age, in this time, at least now, right now, that there is so much speaking for itself around my life that I need to take it all in and just drink it up. I don't need to, you know, of course I'm going to talk and pour my heart out or whatever. But if I look around me, my friends, my families coming up, growing, knowing love, passion, success, family, perseverance, courage, strength. They're all exuding this concept. There is a perfect storm around me right now. 
that I need to hold on to and completely embrace. It's happening right now. It's not going to last very long. I know it because I'm morbid like that. It's happening right now. Something is going on where things are just falling into place, and I'm just going to milk it, man. Family's good. At least they're alive, happy. My friends are coming up, having kids, getting money, growing. I got people getting stronger, people getting successful, experiencing things, growing wiser. There's a thin line right now. Even those who are experiencing loss, welcome, because that's a very important lesson. Like, that's something you should cherish. It's happening right now, dude. And it, it's like, I need to, I think this celebration is going to be so impactful and so big to me, to me personally. And I hope that people feel what I'm trying to say when I say that. And I look around and everything just speaks for itself. The shirts, the beer, the bags. The success, the smiles, the tears, the hugs, the laughter, the bullshit, everything. Yeah. This culminated from a gym. A fucking gym. It's crazy. And I and you know, I, I think about it sometimes sometimes I don't like go deep into the concept of this, you know, I don't go crazy. Um but think how many people would not be around you when you look left and right if it wasn't for this nine hundred square foot cinder block facility. Like, think about it real, real close right now. If you're listening and you're one of us, look inward and think, where would the, my circle be right now if this gym had not opened up nine years ago? We're not even, It's not a me thing. Like, where would, where would we be? Like, right. where would you be? And how many stories and courage, and I'm not even talking about the physical, because, of course, that's important, but... Think about where you'd be as a man or a woman. Think about where you'd be with your wisdom. Think how many stories you can't, you wouldn't be able to tell anymore. And when I think about things like that, like I know in my heart that I paid my penance. And it's funny because I bring this up a couple of times. There's a, there's a particular show. <laughs> it's a, it's a cartoon or whatever. Um, that's called uh, Invincible or something like that. What a show. Yeah, right? And Fuck. And there's a, a, a there's like a demon there, and I love it. He has to pay his penance or do good deeds to keep his soul out of hell. And um, when I, which I love. Yep, I thought that was super cool too. And I feel like that resonated with me. Because I didn't see it for what it was, just like a sci-fi cool thing. Even though he looks like Hellboy, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, I know what they're trying to do. Um, but that's what I'm trying to do. Responsibility and leadership is my penance. And I, I talked about this now. It's coming to me. You know, it's something that I've read somewhere. Uh, I just know I've discussed it. And the best leaders are the ones that never wanted to be a leader in the first place. But there's so much more to that concept. There's just so much more to that. And I, and I, I read it in a meme. And I, and I read it. And I did. And I felt it. But I knew there was more to it. And I had been thinking about it. And again, I, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, I never thought I was going to think about it in this fucking shower. But 
the best leaders are the ones that don't want it in the first place. But then I ask why? Like why? I mean, I love the mentorship. I love the respect. I love the the swag of it, the attitude. I like that. I love it. I love that I walk into rooms and I'm being served and respected. Of course, any man would, any woman would. It's not that. You know, if, if the power, the money, anything. You know, why, what is it that keeps people from wanting certain types of people, the best ones from that position, the position I am in now? Because if you would have asked me if I wanted to be a leader, I probably would have told you, well, no, I just want the, you know, the, the attention, perks. the perks. Of course, yeah. like, and that's the honest truth. <sighs> sure. Most people will tell you that. Oh, no, I love it because, no, you're a liar. You do want <laughs> the, the perks, right? Sure. I, I didn't see myself like this. Just I just didn't have the confidence nor the self-awareness to think that I would be in any way this impactful on any level ever in my entire life. You know, I, again, that's a, like the Wolverine, the solo guys, the fucking, the tough guys that are in the corner. That's who I always admired. That's kind of what I grew up wanting to be, like the cool jack guy in the corner with a whiskey and cigar that has to not fuck around with anybody. Ask my friends. That's what I thought was cool. That's what I wanted to be. Yeah. Instead, I became a mixture of the Cyclops, you know, the leader. Yeah. Right. The person having to make the tough calls, the nerd, the, 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 the naysayer, the, hey, you can't do that. The Professor X is like, hey, you can't, no, bro. Hey, chill out. Instead of, fuck this, I'm going to fuck you up and take a beer. Like, that's what I wanted to grow up. That's what I was in my 20s. Yeah. That was cool. What people really fear is leadership is isolation. Because there's nothing lonelier in this world than being a leader. It doesn't matter whether your circle is two people deep or a thousand or a million. It doesn't matter if it's your son, your daughter, your friends, your teammates, your lifters, your coworkers, leadership is lonely. It's difficult. People don't speak to you the same way. That air of respect also comes with an air of distance. It comes with bridges. It comes with valleys and mountains. There is a, a certain level of distance. And it's lonely. And the people that don't want it don't do well with loneliness. They don't function well with it. Look closely to your biggest mentors in your life and ask them or ask yourself if they would do well by themselves. It's impossible. It's scary. It's, it's like drowning as much as they paint themselves this way. So when you're in these positions and you see things like nine years coach, leader, mentor, athlete. You took this path willingly because you knew that every person you touch was a reminder that there is something outside of your loneliness, that there is something worth fighting for. There is worth something, like I always say, there is something worth living for. And I feel this in my fucking bones. Nine years later, like, it's... It's cemented, it's tattooed into my soul, which is one of my favorite things to say. You're asking which tattoo hurt the most? The ones you'll never see, man. Never. I feel it. I feel the needle of somebody's presence drilling into my fucking soul forever, whether it's good or bad, leaving that mark 
and that look and that stain and that blood forever, that's leadership. You have to be consistently reminding yourself that every single person, good or bad, is worth every single fucking day. And I feel it. Like I no longer have to really write about it. And I'm talking about it because this is what we're here to do, right? We're here to podcast. Yeah, totally do a podcast and not drink. Right. And that's what I hope you guys, this is a big reason I wanted to do this podcast before, is I want you to go into that nine-year anniversary feeling what I feel. And then on Saturday, you're going to see it. Like talking to children, no offense. You're going to feel it and see it. And I can argue and seriously say this to anyone ever. And you know that this is true. And it's a reminder. It's like, a, like we say, a lighthouse. This beacon in the storms. Episode 26. Yes. 26. Yeah. Like months ago. Right. Yeah, so maybe longer. Yeah, probably longer. Because it was from a post like a year ago. But... This is this is what I wanted to bring up, John. Yep. And of course, you know, going into this, like I said, I had knee surgery five, six weeks ago. And you're asking me, like, yeah, people are asking, oh man, how do you feel? Like, what? I don't, it's just a knee. Like, I'm not trying to be arrogant about it. Yeah, sure. You know, what keeps me going is like, how am I going to show you what perseverance looks like? You know, I have to look at motivation externally. But discipline, of course, man, of course, bro. The hours of PT and the fucking bullshit, I get it. But my motivation is in my gym with me. To look at somebody and not have to say a word and just try to show them what not quitting on something you love fucking looks like. I can't just tell you, bro. You're not going re- to receive it the same way. You just have to show people. And on the fucking 15th, it's going to speak for itself. The presence is going to be everything. Felt good about that. <laughs> Felt really good about that. What the fuck do I do now? I don't know. Let's just, <laughs> let's just leave early. No, <laughs> no, fuck that. I'm going to pay for every goddamn minute. Stupid yeah, traffic. Real. And and I tell you what, man. Like, And it's something I wanted to... to to touch base on and how important, you know, let's say I was alone, man. Let's say I didn't have this gym. Yeah. I think this knee surgery, my bicep tendon tear, my back injury would have been complete uh, life stoppers for me. You know and I mean? That relatively literally, but also figuratively. Like I, 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 and I mean it, I don't know where I would be without this gym. I just, I don't. And to, to have a question unanswered is a very difficult thing for a person who consistently searches for answers. Yeah. But when you ask the hardest questions, which is a lot harder than a good answer, you have to ask yourself such a hard question that you may not have an answer to it. You spend the rest of your life searching. And that's the process. And maybe that's the answer. That is the way. To be consistently in the process of searching for something that is trained that is love, that is passion, that is commitment, that is loyalty. There is no end thing. There is no balance. It is a constant fight. Yeah. 
it is the questions that are unanswered. Leave them unanswered. Keep searching, but you know they're not going to have an answer for it. You have to search the ends of your cosmos within to really get to it. And that's what I've been fortunate enough to experience and to understand and to feel with this battle ox gym. With the, so people, yeah, man, you're right. Knee surgery, YouTube videos, beer, uh, all this stuff, you know, the, the limitless thing, Miami's baddest. This is part of the process. It's overwhelming, sure, so many times. But where the fuck would I be without it? Huh. Where the fuck would we be? Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Where would we be without it? You know, it's funny. I had a, had a meniscal repair, and uh, it's funny. I had a, a lot of my friends or my, I guess, my other group of friends. Right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I have, yeah. I have different groups. Not the guys who do this. Yeah, right. Right? They were, they're all older than me, and they always said, oh, when you hit 30, you know, your body changes, everything happens. Ugh. And, like, maybe 10 days after my birthday, I tore my meniscus. Bad. Fuck. Bad, like it would buckle on its own. Mm. And I kept playing on it. Sure. I was playing basketball. I played on it. And if it didn't swell, I'd keep playing. Yeah. And I remember that first moment of being alone, right? Because I had no, I was at LA Fitness. You know, I had no gym culture. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that. I And I took my first trip after the surgery on crutches to the bathroom. Mm. And I went to pee and the fucking crutches slipped out on me. Boom. And I stomped my foot down to catch my Ugh. balance. And I was like, and pain. The pain shoots up your whole body into your face. Yep. And all of a sudden, I never felt more alone. I never felt more alone. It's, um, man, that's a really good description of it. And to speak of injuries, there is, <laughs> there is a loneliness. And I think it comes from our extreme vulnerability. You are now the weakest wolf of the pack. You are in the back. You're 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 a danger to the rest. And it comes from this kind of animalistic, like, not what, like fuck. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and it's I posted about it. My dad had knee replacement surgery, which is way worse, and he turned seventy four this year. And first of all, it's hard to see your old man looking so beat up and old or whatever. That's a right. That com- that becomes a very real thing for but all of us. Good for those genes because that man does not look anywhere right? to seventy. Motherfucker! What the fuck? I don't know if it, hopefully I'll get. I look seventy four. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? You are seventy four years old. <laughs> you guys heard it. <laughs> Fucking hell! Seventy four year old man has a baby. Jesus. Um, and and I'm, I'm I'm looking at him obviously and like I said I had posted this on my Instagram. It's just like the story. My mom sends me this uh, this text. I remember telling the gym, and it was hard not to get emotional. She sent me this video. It's the day of his surgery. Um, you know, when knee replacement surgery is now, like, that's it. You're moving. Like, day of. And, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, I haven't talked about it on podcast for sure, but I've talked about it several times in person. And the lady tells him to get up, tells him to get up. He gets up. He has his, his walker. And this is the same day. 73 at the time uh, knee replacement and he's supposed to take his first steps and anybody who's ever had surgery the moment you're moving on your own is fucking terrifying 
because you it feels like that limb is just not yours. It feels like an alien piece of hardware. It, do, it just doesn't feel right. Right. And the lady looks at him. She goes, oh, you in pain. And my dad goes, went well, Spanish. He's like, no, I'm just frightened. And and he takes his first steps anyway. Fuck. And I he, my mom sent me this video. Of course, bro, like I'm in tears because, A, you're watching, you know, your father fucked, you know, hurt, hurting all bandaged up, but openly admitting to being scared. But also there's no courage without fear. He didn't look at my mom or the nurse and say, I'm brave. Yeah. Or I'm not a pussy. He did it with who he was, how he was. And he took those steps and he walks on his little walker down the hallway. Day one, talking about a few hours after with a high blood pressure because his blood pressure spiked. And I'm looking at this and this is about a week before my surgery. And of course, I'm like, that's the real deal. You know, what I'm getting is a fucking joke compared to him. Yeah. And of course, I get my surgery and I get home and I have crutches for the first time in my life. Because I've even with sprained ankles, I'm like, fuck this, you know, cool guy. I'm already wear a boot or whatever. Um, And it's these first steps that were so massively important. Because I think about this, I think about my father and I think about how this resonates in life. It's like we're always taking that first step somewhere and something somehow. And it's terrifying. It's like a, it's funny how we can see a blessing as an injury. Like you've been gifted something, whether it's an opportunity or a gift, a position or something in life. And it's been gifted to you. And you see this like somebody just took a piece of your leg. And you're taking that first step and you're absolutely terrified of this alien fucking limb in your body. And you've been through shit. You've been through real shit and you can't, you're scared. And like, that's what courage is. Because those steps are done alone. Like you're, you're, no one's going to take that step for you. No one is going to do that thing for you. They'll be there with you, but they're not you. They're not in you. They're not feeling the absolute fucking doubt that this is going to work okay. That maybe this will never be okay. And that is a constant when you're an athlete, but more importantly, when you're just a fucking human and a warrior. And it's important like that I mentioned that because a lot of people have asked me, which thank you so much, um, about this knee thing. Yeah, yeah, man, I have bad days. bro. Of course I do. That's the whole point of the, the YouTube documentary, which I just posted with my friend Gabriel, um, that we're doing this whole behind the scenes, the trials of MDLP. We will definitely get more into that when we get oh, a little yeah. bit more time. Exactly. And also when we have a few more episodes. Yeah. But the reason why is because I've realized that my greatest strength has come from my expression of my vulnerability. I'm no longer at this age where I'm terrified to admit to you that I'm terrified. In fact, I'm very open to saying this really scares me. But the difference between you and me is that I'm going to do it anyway. You know, and people ask me these things. Obviously, there's some people who relate to me and will do it, of course. But 
that's such a big role for me. I want I want people to see that because that places me in a position of responsibility. It doesn't let me quit on myself. It doesn't let me quit on anyone else either. Because I know when I was in the shitter that I wish I had this. Mm-hmm. Somebody showing me what it feels like to suck, to have it's two minutes to get off the floor, like to struggle, to the other knee hurt, like and to question yourself, like what's going on? Like, do I deserve this? Why is this happening to me? To be jealous, to see people being healthy and you feel literal jealousy. I'm not a jealous man, yeah. but I feel jealousy of seeing somebody just like being healthy. Like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Really? Did I really was this stupid? And I want people to to feel that, to see that. And I know that if you're listening and life has hit you plenty of times hard in the dick, let alone sports, like there is no courage without terror. You cannot be courageous. You cannot be brave if you're not scared of your first steps. Jesus, I wish I can put this into a pamphlet or a fucking drink. But the ability to take that first step is beyond recognition. It is you and you alone. If there's anything I want you to get from this fucking podcast, from this message. And like I said, it, you don't quit on anything you fucking love. You don't. If you're going to use the word love, passion commitment perseverance these are words that echo in time that are etched in stone in columns that are older than you and me will ever fucking be they're etched in our memory in books in flesh you can't say courage like it's no big deal you can't say love like it's nothing you can't say passion like it's a word in a book these are patterns this is the warrior code you don't give up, and for fuck's sake, maybe you should love yourself a little bit more to give yourself the credit to not quit on yourself. That's what I think about every fucking day. Should I quit on myself? Should I just stop this? What's the fucking point? And I respond to myself the same way I respond to other people. What the fuck have you done? And it pushes me. And it pushes me forward and creates wakes and ripples and waves. I want people to feel this feeling. I want there to not be enough room in a fucking auditorium when I step in there like a fucking animal. Because I want you to feel what I'm trying my best at being, paying my penance, pushing forward, not being a fucking Pussy. And I know you feel it. Because life is going to fucking bang you the fuck apart, man. And if you think a knee surgery is anything compared to losing someone or fucking getting destroyed or having your own life and your own mortality and within your own fucking hands, it's bullshit. There is no walker in the philosophies of life. There is no crutch for weakness in your spirit. You can't. Nothing holds up your soul. Nothing. If there's anything we're going to get from this, from the knee surgery, from Miami's baddest, from limitless 
from those special needs athletes, from my dad's surgery, from my surgery, from the nine-year fucking anniversary, is to never quit because presence is immortality. This is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.